Welcome to the Four Lesson Fathers podcast, where two nerdy parents take on the quest of parenthood. This is a podcast where we will share and compare experiences when it comes to life as immigrants, new parents, and some other things in between. Welcome to episode 11, Old Rulebooks versus New Rulebooks. Hi Bruno, how are things? How are you? Yeah, fine, thank you. I'm melting on this heat, man. This this heat wave that we've been carrying is, is no bueno. I'm not liking it. <laughs> no, you, you've that, been struggling? Is... Yeah, no, I, I feel sticky and no, no, it's not good. Uh, and, and it's ironic because I have a, a sore throat. So that means that I cannot be in the cold much either. But other than that, yeah, it's been good. It's It's been exciting. Uh, Baba is doing good. She She's still developing nicely. Yeah. Uh, not much to report on, on that side yet, other than two months until she is a year old, and I can't believe that time flies by. But yeah, I know what that, you mean. Yeah, yeah for Nico, it's less than two months, so it's, yeah, it's, exactly. it's incredible. It's incredible. It is, isn't it? Mm. How about uh, how you've been doing? How's how's the family on your side? Yeah, everything's everything's pretty much normal. Everything's okay. Um, what's been Nico up to? He's uh, he sort of started pointing now. Um, but Martin and I, we just have a joke. We say that he's just very lazy because he does things. But he does things when you want, not when you prompt him. Uh, so he has pointed. And um, uh, like sometimes he does call for us. And sometimes he does wave. But it's like very sporadically. It's like he, he doesn't really really want to do it on demand you know what i mean um yeah so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah he's been doing he's been doing that kind of stuff and uh, uh what else oh there's been something that he's done recently which was absolutely adorable adorable so he has these like the um not a crawler the walker thing you know the walker toy oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and it plays music and yeah. uh he um he, he he actually sat by himself, right? And I, I managed to capture it, but without anything from us, he was just playing with it. And then he started playing the music, and he started dancing. He started he started like moving with the beat. Really? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was incredible. It's like I was even commenting that with my parents, and uh, my dad was saying like it's 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 incredible because it's like no one really taught him how to do that so just like the, the 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 instinct to move with the music is really something that is born with us isn't it it's not something that he yeah. learned from anyone because he was just like shuffling his bum around to do to the beat and everything and it, uh, yeah it was absolutely adorable i managed to capture a little bit uh, of it on video and uh, it was really really good it's funny that you mention it because recently enough Nim Nim did something similar. Like there was music, oh, yeah. and she started like headbanging. Oh, nice! Headbanging to the music, not like metal headbanging, more like head bobbing. You know, like when you're in in a nice car and you see a nice tune, and you start to like follow the rhythm with your head and your shoulders. Yeah, that's yeah, what she yeah. was doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, so that's that, lovely. That also happened here. And also, I'll be remiss not to mention that I don't know if it's because she's sick or because she is doing nursery. But she has some separation anxiety to the next level, like to the next bad. level. Well, what do you mean? Yeah, like bad, bad. Like for example, she's sleeping because she's breastfeeding still. She falls asleep on Holly, mm. and as soon as Holly passes her to the crib, as soon as her bum touches the crib, in one fluid motion, she's awake, sitting up, and crying to begging for Holly to pick her up. If someone wow. picks her up, that is not Holly. She won't stop crying. 
Wow. Like at night, it's either I sleep on top of mommy or I don't sleep. Blimey. That is... Yeah, it's that been is hard. Tough. On, that is yeah. really, really tough. Because it's... it's. I remember that... I know that like when Nico does something similar, when because sometimes he has periods where we put him down and uh, in the cot and he just starts crying and everything. And that's, you know, difficult as it is. Like... Uh, Having it every single time, it just must be, you know, Holly must be a bit desperate. <laughs> she is, like yeah, so. it's been going on for like four days now and she's exhausted. She's like, I miss my bed. Because she's been pretty much falling asleep in the couch in front of Nim's cot. Because oh, she cannot put Nim to sleep, yeah. Wow. Like, Nim, when you're listening to this, just, you know, go go and hug your mom is what I'm going to tell you. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah, you said it, man. <laughs> um, uh, going back a little bit to the episode. Um, so we call this one Old versus New Rulebooks. And uh, what that is a reference to, uh, for those of us, uh, for those listening that are not as nerdy as we are and don't immediately get it, it's just a reference to... For example, when you have D&D books, how every once in a while, every few years, they come up with a new version. Uh, so currently, um, uh, Dungeons and Dragons is in its fifth edition. And um, it just means that every once in a while, due to a, a few different reasons, they want to make upgrades to the uh, to the system, etc. And they make... Um, and they, they launch a new edition and it's like a generation of uh, the game in a sense um, so translating to this episode and today's topic what we're going to talk about is uh, old rulebooks versus new rulebooks so in the sense of how um, you know how we were educated and um, or how our parents were educated and uh, how we ourselves were educated um, so how, how it was our childhood um, uh, etc if I give you this description Bruno if you think about um, lo looking a bit towards the future about how you're going to educate your uh, daughter how are you going to educate Nim do you think that when you're going to that stage do you think that this is going to be a half edition or a full edition and what I mean by that is that for example uh, Dungeons and Dragons it had a, a 3.5 edition so kind of like an in-between so do you think that uh, the way that you're going to educate your children is it going to be uh, a half edition or is it going to be a full new edition oh no new edition definitely but Going a little bit on your, <clears throat> sorry, your allegory of D&D, I won't say it's a 0.5, because 3.5 is basically, uh, I don't know why they named it a 0.5, maybe because it was still similar to 3, but it basically is a whole thing, that's why you even mark a, a new game called Pathfinder, which just follows the rules of D&D, for again, for people that don't know, when D&D moved from 3.5 to the next, some people love 3.5 so much that they were like, well, let's make a game that has the rules of 3.5. And they named it Pathfinder. A uh, little bit of nerd trivia for you there. So instead of saying it's a 0.5, I'm going to say that it's a, a bit of a homebrew. And again, to explain our allegories, homebrew is when you're not following the specific rules or themes of the game. You're making your own. And by that, I mean, for example, Dungeons & Dragons have certain campaigns that they already have marked characters and marked settings, maps, countries. And when you homebrew, you follow the rules, 
but the settings are different. There's different countries, there's different characters. I want to do the same. And the reason why I say that is because right now the world is so connected that it's so difficult to find a set rule of guidelines. You, I don't know if I'm explaining myself, but when we were young, for example, you were surrounded by people who were like you. But now, thanks to the internet, you can see that other countries are completely different than your own. You know what I mean? Like, they're very, very different. Yeah. And so I'm trying to to be new additions, so follow the the rules that are in place right now, but still keep a, lo- a, a little bit of my home traditions and my own culture traditions. So that's what I'm, I'm dubbing it a homebrew. What do you? What are your plans? What are you going to do? Yeah, I think I think what you were touching on uh, a bit there towards the end is is kind of the way that I feel, and it's kind of the reason why I think it's going to be a completely new edition in a way. So I think this is going to be a new step, and I don't mean it just for education. I don't want to get very well philosophical. No, maybe that's not the best word. I don't want to get too. Uh, um, revisionist of what's going on at the moment but what i'm thinking is that when i look at the world how it is now i genuinely think that um centuries from now decades from now uh, when when historians look back at this time i think that the the invention of the internet is going to be as significant as the invention of writing. I think it's going to be because I think it just changes so, so much in the world that it's going to be something as significant as inventing writing. Um, so oh, I, I think that l- with that lens, I think that... Uh, anything else is something completely new. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's not even a new edition. Maybe it's something even more than that. Maybe it's our own Pathfinder in a way. Um, just something completely new. Um, and that's because of the internet. That's because of social media. That's because of electronics. It's all things that no one previously in history had to deal with th- to this extent and something that is going to affect our children greatly. And so we're kind of, in a way, in uncharted territory. Yeah, I think you you were able to express what I wanted in a better way. Because that's exactly what I meant. Everything is so different and mm, unprecedented yeah. now. And there's so much sharing as well. And there's so much intermixed values as well. Right now, there's a huge... that I don't know. I didn't notice it when I was young. so I don't. But maybe it was there. I just don't know it. But right now, there's such a huge divide between moral values and everyone is taking teams you're either this side or this side and this side and this side and i I, i'm not very i mean i do but i don't want to limit myself to being part of a team especially if the team sometimes does things that i don't agree so that's why i said i want to keep a little bit of of my own ideas as well i mean yes i know the world is moving and i hope i'm not being a retrograde but not moving at the speed but at the same time there are maybe certain movements that i don't completely agree with stuff like that yeah for sure no i agree um so in the context of this episode i actually when we we were starting to put together the script for this one uh we were going to have three sections but we ended up coming back to two sections so what we're going to talk about today is um how our own parents were educated and how we ourselves were educated and in another episode we're going to cover in a bit more detail we're going to cover how we're actually going to 
plan to educate uh, our children. Uh, but um, I just thought it would be nice just to have an idea of uh, what are the differences, and that comes as well, uh, differences for even from a, uh, a country perspective, because how our parents were educated and how we ourselves were is um, different just by the fact that it was in a different place than here in the UK. Um, so uh, so with that in mind, uh, starting with section one, uh, which is how our own parents were educated uh, by uh, by you know their own parents, by society, etc. Um, uh, why don't you um, kick us off? So how, how were your parents educated? Okay, well, mom was raised in a very clan-based education. So basically, her grandmother and her grandfather were the matriarch and patriarch of the family. Oh and yeah. yeah. And my, her grandmother was all about family. Basically, she was, please keep together. Don't separate the family. Family is everything. Family, family, family. That's how, that's how they were raised. So my mom has a big amount of uncles and aunts. And they had, obviously, kids of their, of, of their own as well. I don't know why my tongue grew two sizes there. Um, <laughs> so... She had lots of cousins, but they were always together. They were always meeting. And yeah, it was basically my great-grandmother uh, trying to keep the family together. And it was also weird because her, for example, still had her Spanish accent. I remember stories that my mom tells me that my grandma sometimes even felt embarrassed that her mom, so my great-grandma, had a Spanish accent because like oh come right. on we're Mexican we live in Mexico and uh, so that was uh, and that was always there as well it was always like remember we're coming from here and, mm. and for example from her uh, husband's side so my great grandparent they've been here for a little bit longer but again it's always been like you we come from we're Italian and Spanish well Spanish and Italian. This is your... Oh, record. I didn't know so, that you had some Italian origins as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if you're going to badly divide it in mathematics, I'm like one-eighth Italian, you could say. Ah, um, oh, right, okay. Yeah, it's a little bit harder than that, but yeah, pretty much. So, it, it's, it was pretty much raised on the past. Like, this is where you come from, this is your family, keep it together family 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 they were super catholic like incredibly catholic oh like, yeah well yeah they're they're old spaniards so yeah yeah that's <laughs> that yeah that 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 tracks that tracks yeah and it, what the reason why i'm hammering the immigrant part is because there was even a school that my mom attended that was called el colegio madrid mm. which was pretty much a school in which the only alumni were the sons of immigrants. Well, the sons and daughters of immigrants. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, she started first in a non-school, so that's how religious they were. She first started in a non-school, but then when she grew up older and she went to a mixed school, it was at Colegio Madrid. So, yeah, it was a very clanic, very based on your roots and very Catholic education. And, and, do, and you then, know, do you know? Do you know why they moved to Mexico? Any idea or...? Uh, yes, I do. It's a uh, little bit long because my mom has been doing the genealogy for at least 
six years now she's been investigating. Okay. But basically, on my great-grandpa's side, they came pretty much at the beginning of the country. They were sent by the king of Spain to start a mining town, a silver mining town. So they came over, they founded a town, it was a silver mining town, and they stayed here. On my hmm. great-grandma's side, I don't know exactly the whole story, and I, if I don't record an episode 12, it's because my mom killed me for forgetting. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, yeah, she, she will be quite upset. But I don't remember exactly why uh, we came over. Hmm. But they, they only came like three generations before my mom, so not that long ago. It was on her father's side that they've been here longer. And actually, I'm going to touch that on the episode a little bit later, or but might as well just make it now. It's funny because, <laughs> well, yeah, might as well because we're talking yeah, about Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, go for it, so, go for it. My mom tells me that her grandma, also notice that all of the stories I'm mentioning are my grandma, well, her grandma. Be why? Because the ones who were, again, the matriarch and the patriarch were my great-grandma and my great-grandpa. So sure. my mom spent lots of time with them, even a little bit more than with my grandma. Really? Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. Uh, one of my mom's most cherished memories is that once my grandma was scolding my mom for something ridiculous, I don't know what, like you left a toy out of place or something. Uh, which, again, it uh, for some people does deserve a scolding, but for others, no. And my great-grandpa just, from the other side of the house, just yelled, not angry, but in a booming voice, oh, stop bothering the baby. And she wasn't even a baby anymore. She was like six or seven, but that's how protective they were of her. Because also she was the youngest of all the grandchildren. So she was the first. But so yeah, so the oldest. Yeah, the oldest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Wow. And yeah, you yeah. can really see from what you're saying, you can really see how, like, it was patriarchal and matriarchal. Like, it was really all centered around uh, those two, isn't it? And it's, um, it's. Uh, I'm going to touch on something that you probably, it's something that you, you're having to deal with, and I'm, I'm sorry in advance, but um, it kind of reminds me of the film Encanto. And I know it's a different culture, but, like, the fact that you know the grandma in that film is very matriarchal and everything kind of revolves around how she views the family and all the family like revere her in a way so it's it seems kind of similar to that for me it is very similar but i can give you an even better example in coco it's just people oh yeah coco okay because encanto came over but don't you remember how in coco the grandma even though she was senile everything revolved around that around her the reason oh, why the, they didn't the touch music grandma, not the grandma yeah, like the, 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 the oldest reason why one, they, yeah. exactly and sorry about spoilers for who haven't seen it but the reason why they hate music is because of what happened to her so everything relates to her so that is very latin american i would say and i'm right, I, they're right, just right, right. also spanish because that's where it must come from but yeah no they're 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 those two movies they're very good at presenting Latin America society like Coco really did touch me. It's it's a highly recommended movie if you want to learn about Mexico without the movie being specifically to learn about Mexico. Like there's so much nuance and so much information delivered to you in a non uh, hammered down sort of way. It's really really good. I cannot recommend it enough. It made me ugly cry in cinema, and I'm shy. I'm not. I'm not saying that I'm not an ugly crier because I'm a crybaby. <laughs> but I am shy, and I didn't care. Like, I even... 
ended the, the movie with a whole mariachi scream and everything. That's how touched I was. Really? With the whole mariachi? Yeah. With the mariachi scream? Huh. Yeah, yeah, the... the that one. Obviously, I, I, I made this one really bad because I don't want to scream, but yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, you'll have to you'll have to, to save that uh, like a proper scream to one of these episodes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, maybe not when Nim Nim is trying to go asleep. No, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> but going back to my my mom's education segment, she was also raised on stories of the revolution, and the mm. reason why that was so important and the reason why that was so different to a lot of other kids I grew up with is because. My family was on the other side of the revolution. Normally, you get told in school uh, how we Mexicans took the country back, right? Right. Well, in my family, is how we Mexicans took the country from us as well, because we were the ones who had the haciendas. We were the ones who had the. I see. The quote-unquote plantation. I don't want to say plantation. So the revolution the context was is against very you different. in a way. Yes. It's very different than in a, an American situation. We didn't have slaves, but we had something that was very similar. Basically, what happened is you own the land, you let people work it, and then they work it and they give you the products and you pay them. But they own, but you don't pay them with money. You pay them with basically some sort of like tickets and they can only use it in your store. So they're buying the products that they worked for. So you have a plantation of corn. So then one guy works the corn, makes it grow, harvests it, gives it to you, you pay them. And then the only way for that person to use his wage is to buy the corn that they work to get. I don't know if I'm explaining myself. No, no, I get you. I get you. That just kind of sounds like slavery with a few extra steps. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not exactly. And it no, I know. Bad, I know what you mean. I, I'm just but... I'm just making a joke. No, no, no. But a I don't want reference. But uh, yeah, no, I know. I understand the, the Rick and Morty reference. But the thing is, I don't want to undermine how oppressive it was. It wasn't yeah. as bad as slavery. But there was there is a reason why we had a revolution. Like, don't get me wrong. It was a caste system. It was yeah. pretty much kind of like the a ones, system. Yeah, the ones who have versus the ones who have it, pretty much. That's how it was. And the problem is, my family wasn't the ones that have. So the, the revolution in my family was experienced very, very differently. Now, obviously, that's also very conflicting, and I can do a whole other episode on that because you want to think of your family as the good guys. But when you realize sure. that they were on the losing side of the revolution, you're like, are we the baddies? To make another <laughs> reference. And if you go to the town, because my mom has gone to the town when we had our haciendas, a lot of people were saying, I mean, technically, no, your family was really good. They really care about their workers. They really let them have a lot of, like, accommodations and blah, 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 blah. They just didn't fight the system that they were in. So, yes, right. they were... The ones who have versus the ones who haven't, but how much is victim of circumstance and how much is they're bad people? Again, I won't go into detail. Especially it's a difficult I'm biased. topic. It's a difficult yeah, topic. For exactly, sure. and especially because I'm biased. But in my family, the revolution is a whole different subject because it was against us. So it's very different. One one thing is what I get taught in school, and one thing is what I get taught at home. It's like, oh yeah, in school you you get told that the revolutionaries were heroes, and then I go home. And it's like, no, the, the revolutionaries were just like pillagers. They just pillaged and then gave it to other group of people. And my grandmother have memories in which, not even against the ones who have, just in general, to be able to supply their armies with 
provisions, they will ride horses through towns and basically pillage the whole town, ravage the whole town, take everything, and do it with the excuse that is because they were fire, fighting the revolution. So people used to have to go underground or their houses, wait until they, they call it la bola, which means the ball or the mass that passes through, wait until they take what they need and move over to the next town. Wow, so and, and your your great-grandparents, they actually saw it happening. They were actually yeah, part yeah, of it, yeah. wasn't Well, they? my, my great-grandmother has memories of having to go underground and wait until the revolutionaries came into their house, take everything from the cupboard, walk out. Wow. So war, yeah, war is a very nuanced subject. There's not just good versus evil, is is what I'm saying. So that that sure. obviously it's it's a very marking experience, and that marked me as well, and my mom as well. Because again, you get something told in school, and then you go home, and you're like, yes, but no, but maybe, and you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> wow. And wow, I guess it's because incredible. of that that my mom grew up. And also because it was the moment in which feminism was starting and the hippie movement was about to take strength in the States. So my mom grew up and studied sociology and anthropology. She got her master's, she started her PhD. She couldn't finish because of me. <laughs> and, oh, so you're to blame. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm completely to blame. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's the story in a very, 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 very short nutshell of my mom's education. That was that was really really good. I found it incredibly interesting. Like I had no idea what to expect, but that is something completely new because, like, uh, you know, the Mexican Revolution and the Mexican history. Um, I'll be very honest with you; it's not something that I come across very often. You know, there's not. Uh, I know the basics of it, but I didn't know it to that level of detail. And you know, hearing from someone whose parents or whose you know ancestors actually went through something like that, it's. Uh, yeah, I found it incredibly interesting. So thank you so much for sharing that. No, no, it's my pleasure, literally. And if you ever want to ask me more, just or any one of the listeners want to ask me more, I'll be happy to share a very small class of what is the difference between the independence, the revolution, the sides. I don't mind going into the subject. Obviously not into very much detail because I'm not qualified on it, but any questions... Be feel to to pass them along and I can answer them either here on the podcast, maybe on an email. We'll see. And you in present, you can also ask me if you want to know more, man. I'll, I'll, I'll happy. Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll oblige. save that. We'll save that for another time or something. I mean, I think there's a lot there that you can explore for sure. So, yeah, thank you. My pleasure. But I will just make the notice that because it's I'm about to give the, the mic to you, so to speak. Sure. Yes, I'm not talking <laughs> about my dad. The reason okay. is, I grew up without my dad. Like, I know about him, but he never played any part in my education. Don't worry, it's not a sub-story. I don't mind it. Yeah, no, I, I did notice it, but I didn't want to pry, you know, so... Yeah, exactly. Like, no, okay, no, 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 don't on. worry. It's not, a, it's not a taboo subject. I'm not even, like, sad about it. It's not something that I miss. It's just something that is not on my conscious mind. But I, I remember right now, because I'm like, wait, no, normally people talk about mom and dad. So that's what I wanted to make the note. And just to make a brief education, or not education, a brief segment of snippet of information of what I do know about my dad. His grandfather was a, a refugee of the Spanish uh, Civil War. He went to Mexico when he was a kid, escaping Franco. And then 
he had my dad, and then my dad met my mom, and now I'm here. That's that's about my extent of knowledge of my dad's life. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, it's enough to know why you're here, so that's it. <laughs> yeah, and that's why I have the Spanish passport, and I was able to live in the UK. There we oh, go. yeah, of course. Okay, so it is important. So, you know, at the end of the day, he, were, he might not have been present, but uh, like, he did give you something, even if he didn't want to or didn't know. Hey, mate, it, if so. it weren't for him, my life would be completely different. So, yeah, no, I'm glad. I'm glad he was <laughs> in the picture. Because otherwise, I will still be back in Mexico. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. He opened the doors for you. Yeah, uh, I yeah. actually, as you were talking, I actually thought that because your great grandparents, etc., had come from Spain, I thought that maybe the Spanish nationality had trickled down. Um, but uh, but no, I, I guess it is a lot easier if you just go through like your parent rather than having to trace it back to like five different generations. Well, it's, it has a very good answer actually. The reason why is because. Obviously, for example, my great-grandma, they just moved in and they never thought about like moving back or anything. And sure. on my great-grandpa's side, they came to found a town, so they didn't yeah. even expect to, what, the, the independence and then the revolution. And then once the revolution happened, it's not like after the revolution happens, you're going to go to the Spanish embassy and be like, hey, can I, can I get a Spanish passport, please? Because yeah. it will be a yeah. little bit awkward. So they basically lost it. And Spain doesn't allow you to get a, a passport if, well, a nationality, if it's not direct from your parents. So yeah, this is they, what I mean. So they would have yeah, to. Yeah, the like... only reason why I have it is because my, my dad doesn't have it either. The only reason why I have it is because after the. So in a period of time between 2010 and sometime later, I don't remember, or maybe 2008 to 2010. There was a lot of people saying, look, I'm a second generation born in Mexico. Obviously, my grandparents came running from the revolution with Franco. So it's not like they're going to give their sons their nation and daughters the nationality because you just escaped the country. But I want it. The, the, that thing ended already. So I want it. And Spain was like, OK, so for this period of time, if you can prove that your grandparent it was a refugee will give you the nationality so that's why i have it interesting and that was only something that happened during a brief period of time yeah 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 actually my mom was one of the millions of people that wrote letter to the government and king of spain saying yo give us a chance i want my kid to be able to be spanish and th does she have it as well uh, no she doesn't because her grandparents that didn't have it so she couldn't get right. it but well she she opened the doors for you that's that's really good you can say that it was a, a synergy work between my mom and my dad my dad gave me the the origin but my mom was the one who fought for it so there yeah. you go there you go so over to you man why don't you give me a little bit of the background of of your your Oof, parents i don't know if i can follow this there was so much and it was so interesting i, I don't know if it's <laughs> going to be uh that interesting we'll see yeah, yeah i'm sure it, it, well it this, is this podcast is, is gonna be my pilot for a hallmark movie mate that's where i'm gonna make my money <laughs> yeah yeah i can see that definitely <laughs> um right let me just go back to the section what was it I, I even lost myself so how our parents were educated let's see so um, so my parents, 
when they were born and their early days of education um, was um, during a time of di dictatorship in Portugal. So Portugal uh, was in a dictatorship, which ended in uh, 1974. And uh, my parents were born in the 60s. Uh, my dad's a bit older than my mom. And um, uh, so they were both raised in the time of dictatorship. So what that means is that by default, a, the, the education that they received was a bit more authoritarian um, because that was just the way that things were during the dictatorship. It was very patriarchal and it was very about very much about uh, respecting your elders, respecting your dad, etc. And, you know, not that there's anything wrong with respecting older people and doing that, but it was in that kind of dictatorship way and just a patri patriarchal way, etc. Um, uh, so their education was a bit more authoritarian. Not like... I'm, I'm, I don't want to give the impression that they... Um, that it was very strict or very rigorous or anything. No, I'm just saying that uh, it was in a time where the society and uh, by, you know, extension, uh, the family units were a lot about about like, you know, following the rules and uh, respecting what I'm telling you and respecting your parents, etc. Um, on both ends, the education was uh, religious, so um, again, going back to the fact that we were in a dictatorship, there was this uh, um, famous saying uh, Portugal had during the dictatorship, which was kind of like defined by three F's, and the three F's were uh, football, um, <laughs> uh, fado, which is a traditional uh, uh, Portuguese uh, genre of music, and uh, Fatima, and Fatima uh, is a pilgrimage site, a religious pilgrimage site in Portugal uh, w with a, a strong Catholic origin, etc. Uh, so oh, what wow. that means, yeah. So so basically, the the uh, po the Portuguese dictatorship was basically uh, uh, people were based around those three pillars. It was informal, uh, but it's how things were seen and uh, so both of the educations that my parents received were very 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 religious um, but um, it they didn't really pass that on to me uh, they they kind of gave me somewhat of a religious education in a way uh, so so they taught me about the Catholicism etc but they were never like super strong in terms of oh you have to follow these and you have to read the Bible and you have to do this and that um, so they were quite a lot more uh, relaxed about it and I think part of the reason why is that during their formative years during their young adulthood is when the dictatorship fell in Portugal so after after that happened there was a lot of um, freeing up of uh, uh, how people behaved as well because as you can imagine having to go through decades of an authoritarian regime and then suddenly uh, you know that regime falls the young people in that, uh, that that were part of that regime are going to rebel isn't it and part of that rebellious attitude in a lot of ways is not paying as much attention to the religious part of it. Um, so if yeah, I may, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are they religious themselves? Do they still um, follow the faith? I uh, enough, you know, they are enough. They have. I mean, it's not something that we discuss that much, to be honest. Uh, I know that they are, but I also know that they have their own relationship with religion. I think that they're not. They're not the kind to like. Uh, 
we need to go every Sunday to uh, to the to church, you know. Uh, so so they're not like oh we need to go every Sunday, but um, they have their own beliefs and they have their own relationship with it. Uh, but it's to be honest, it's not even something that we uh, talk about that much anyway. Um, so I don't know, and I don't want to speak on their behalf too much about what they think of it. But I know that they're not that practicing yeah 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 um, like they're so, yeah. they're religious but just let's leave it at that they're just there's no need to yeah, go into more details kind of, but they're, yeah, because they're I, believers they're not religious they're believers i think so i think so uh but I, even that i'm not 100 sure on to be honest i think that they've had they believed more and they believed less over the years and i think they kind of fluctuated fluctuated um, so yeah mm. Um, so for for my dad specifically, uh, it was a very rigorous education. It was, and uh, you know, I don't think that there's many ways of going around this. It was just what happened at the time. And again, dictatorship, patriarchal society, etc. There was a lot of physical discipline as well. Like if you've behaved badly, etc., um, that you would uh, get uh, you slapped or something like that by your parents. Uh, there was a lot of focus on morality, what's dutiful, and uh, his own parents were a bit uh, emotionally distant as well. Um, he was definitely more attached to um, my grandparents which in a way kind of reminds me of something that you were saying about your own family you know instead of being attached to your own parents being kind of like more close closely connected with your with your grandparents so that's how he was um, and he was very very close with them um, interesting side notes on that um, is that so my dad's granddad, so my great-grandfather uh, on his side, he actually um, went to Venezuela for many, many years. Mm. And um, he basically went there and he... Um, he started a bakery there. And he oh, went really? to Venezuela, he made quite a lot of money for a long period of time but he didn't immigrate there he was kind of like just working there working his arse off and then basically coming back and uh, bringing the money back uh, to uh, to portugal and uh, as a result of that he was able to come back and basically pay for two houses uh, up front wow. and stuff like how did, that how the turntables have tabled huh Does yeah isn't venezuela it? to come and bring money to portugal really wow yeah, at the time, because he went there, he had his own business, but he, um, yeah, I mean, I don't have a lot of stories. My dad has more stories that my great-grandfather told him, but it was, like, quite difficult sometimes. Like, they tried to bribe him, there were, like, gangs, and, like, sometimes they shot people in front of the bakery, so there there was quite a lot of stories. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, 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 so, um, so that's what it is. But going back a little bit to my dad, I mean, during his time, and again, you have to think in terms of the dictatorship etc at that time going to university was something very restricted um, and it was something very 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 prestigious so my dad's dad so my grandfather he actually is from a rural village in uh, the north of portugal a very 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 poor rural village and um, he was actually able to go to university or was actually able to study in the city which at the time was quite um, new so um, he then studied in the city and my dad had a, basically a city education. So even though um, that origin comes from a, a rural village, very, very poor, uh, then um, my dad himself was um, 
uh, already educated in the city and everything. Mm, okay. So yeah, that's kind of uh, that's kind of uh, my dad's education and my dad's side. Um, and then we go to my mom's side, and my mom's side is different, even though it was the same country, so still Portugal, um, but even though it was uh, the same country, it, there was quite a lot of differences in a way. And the reason for that is that um, she was actually born in the Azores, like I was born in the Azores, right? So mm. with my mom, because it was in the Azores, the Azores were, during the dictatorship, were kind of left on their own and kind of left aside um, because the main focus um, that Portugal had, and I don't want to bore you with too much with the history of Portugal, but uh, one of the main things that the, the dictatorship had um, during those years is that they wanted to focus a lot on the fact that Portugal wasn't just about Portugal. So because they had the colonies, they said that uh, Portugal is not so small, Portugal is uh, Portugal here in Europe, but it is also Angola, it's also Mozambique, etc. So they were seen as part of Portugal, as an extension of the territory rather than uh, uh, colonies, pretty much. Oh, okay. So what this means, what this means is that during the entire period of the dictatorship, there was a strong focus on those colonies, and there was a grand focus on Angola, etc. To because because it was a controversial uh, uh, statement and it was a controversial position to have. So there was a lot of efforts in making sure that uh, the relationship between the colonies and Portugal was still there. Um, so what that meant in part is that because there wasn't a big focus in the Azores or even Madeira, then uh, the connection was pretty much non-existent. So the Azores were just kind of left on their own in a way. So uh, there wasn't a big focus on that. The education that my mom received was still rigorous, um, regardless of dictatorship, regardless of the influence. It still had the rigorous education. There was still some influence there. My granddad, uh, my mom's father, he was um, very proud of his children, but that also caused high expectations on all of them. So because he was so proud and because he was always talking about like, oh, you know, uh, my kids do this, my kids do that, like every every one of his kids were and there there were four it's my mom and another three and they always felt a lot of uh, uh, that kind of pressure not in a bad way but uh, even to the people of the island because in the azores this is an archipelago of nine islands and they were in an island which was quite small um so it was very very everyone knows each other etc and so when someone does well uh, everyone knows about it and my granddad he was so proud and he would talk to everyone saying how proud he was of his children etc which was actually quite wholesome in a way yeah uh, it is yeah. Uh, and my my granddad he was uh, a teacher uh, which was quite prestigious as well because on those small islands you basically had two or three people that were important it was the doctor the teacher and i can't even remember what the other one was uh, but definitely the doctor and the teacher were some of those that were very very prestigious in an island because there weren't that many you know um, yeah because it was a very, very, very small communities. Uh, and I even remember, this is just a side story, but I even remember that uh, my granddad, that w he had one year where he was teaching in the smallest island, which only had like 150 50 people living on it. And every day 
he would get fresh milk delivered to him and he would get like people from the island giving him quite a lot of stuff like animal meat and all of that oh, wow. uh, just because just because he was a teacher and he was the only teacher in the island because there were only like 150 people living there so maybe just two classes of students um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. He, he was perceived it was very very prestigious but anyway so the point is uh, my grandmom she played the piano and uh, she was really really astute and she she had nine siblings so she came from uh, um, it was her and another nine um, that are now you know their descendants are spread all over the world like in Brazil in France uh, also in Portugal in the United States etc so it, they went kind of everywhere but she was quite special as well um, she even learned to drive when she was like 60 or something and uh, that's when she started to, to drive she uh, told my granddad I want to learn how to drive and he did didn't. No. he didn't drive and she learned to drive at that age which i always was quite proud of her for doing that yeah wow that's th i mean it's not easy especially at that age exactly exactly but yeah, um, what was it? Uh, because it is a small island, there were also some other differences. So there was a great focus on how the neighbors perceive the family uh, because it's a small place, so everyone knows everything that is going on. Like, you can't really hide or, or you know, everyone knows everything that is happening. And my grandmom especially, so my, my grandmother, she was so conscious of what everyone else thought and she always wanted to keep a good image of the family. But being from an island as well, and this is part of like my history and part of the reason why I've always been inclined to explore different places and emigrate and everything. And it's because of my, uh, in grand part, due to the fact that I'm Azorian. So because these are small islands, there has always been a great focus on opportunities, on immigration, on moving away. Because the reason is, and the, the, the truth is, because these are islands, even if you're the smartest person in the world, you won't unlock your full potential because you are hindered by the fact that you're living in an island. So the opportunities and the uh, the push has always been there, not just for my grandparents, etc., but for everyone living there, is that if your children do really well, they will move elsewhere and they will leave because that's how they unlock their full potential whether that's going to portugal's mainland or whether that's going to other places and because the Azores is in the middle of the atlantic a lot of people went to canada a lot of people went to the us a lot of people went to brazil uh, maybe mexico i know that they went to peru as well i don't know about mexico uh, not that i can remember if i do i'll let you know yeah and yeah so nico's great great grandfather he had 10 children and all of them, <laughs> except my grand, my grandmother, all of them moved away from uh, from the islands, and that's just because he um, he really wanted to push them, and they were all uh, quite developed, and they were all quite intelligent as well. So my. Uh, great grandfather he uh, used to repair ships um, so uh, large vessels because the Azores being in the middle of the Atlantic during World War II uh, and even before that there were a lot of large vessels from the United States stopping in the middle of the Atlantic before coming to Europe and uh, a lot of times they needed repairs so that's what he did he, he was a, I don't think he was an engineer not officially because I don't think that he had that title but he 
knew how to do things. Maybe he did have that title. I don't know. It's something that uh, I can ask my uh, my my mom. But um, but he repaired vessels, so he was seen as someone quite important in the island as well because of that. And uh, yeah, just a fun fact around that as well. Um, Portugal was neutral during World War II until the UK actually called in to the uh, alliance that the UK has with Portugal. It's yeah. an alliance that they have since 1373. Um, so it's the oldest still active alliance in the world. And uh, once the UK called on it, then Portugal had to be involved in the side of the uh, allies. So yeah, that's kind of how my parents were educated. And just to end on what defined their life aspirations, so what defined their education and what they were thinking when they were young adults. Um, so the, the, their era was defined by the end of the dictatorship, uh, the new freedoms that they had, um, man on the moon, uh, the fall of the Berlin Wall and the beginnings of the European Union. So all of those things marked a very positive outlook on life which unfortunately i think that they were a bit deprived of but it was a very optimistic time uh, for them to be young adults with everything that um, people were doing and all the prospects of the, a new life and the new era Oof, yeah, that was quite great. a lot yeah it was it was quite a lot but the thing is whenever we're talking about this type of things we do require a lot because it's not just one simple stroke. It's a lot of history to unpack. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. No, definitely understand that. I think this episode is going to be one of the ones that breaks the hour mark. Uh, not enough to make it a two-parter, but it's definitely going to extend a little bit more. Yeah, than, this one might usual. be a little bit more. Yeah. But to jump into section two of comparing the old rules versus new, I'm going to give you now a brief summary of so section two about history. how you were how we were educated ourselves exactly so my mom broke completely away from religion she's not religious i'm not saying she's an atheist but she's not religious at all she okay. actually recalls being very conflicted when she was told biology and then taught creationism and asking about it and the nuns answering well it's a matter of about faith and my mom was like yeah no that that doesn't make sense to me bye so I didn't grow up religious. <laughs> my grandmother was, and I lived with my grandmother, but she didn't impose it on me. She was just saying, well, it's Sunday, I'm going to Mass, I'll see you later. Do you want to come? I did once, I found it incredibly boring, never again. So yeah, <laughs> not, yeah, I was like, no, this is not for me. It's too hot, it's too boring, and half of the time I don't understand what that guy is saying, because he's speaking in a weird language, so no, thank you. Wait, wait, and... wait, hang on, hang on. Who is speaking in a weird language? The, the, the priest? Yeah, because part of the sermon is in Latin, isn't it? And I'm like, what? Really? Still in Mexico at that time? Like in Portugal, it hasn't been in Latin for like ages. Like No, I, don't get me wrong. Not that anyone knows Latin. It's just they read some part of the... And maybe I'm talking bull uh, crap and I, I'm wrong. But I'm sure they read a part in which they still say like... In the right, nombre okay. di patre Spiritus oh, Sancti, yeah, yeah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, I that, like that. Half so of some prayers like... are still in Latin. I sure, think. sure, sure, sure. Not sure. the mass itself, because no one will understand anything. But some some prayers are still in 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 Latin, I'm sure. And there was there's also the sit down, kneel, sit up, and 
I, I don't want to go into detail because it's going to sound like I'm criticizing and I don't want to criticize. Yeah, and we have a lot that we can discuss anyway on this episode without having to touch on religion anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I'm not religious. Just cut it at that. Fair I, it doesn't. It didn't. I wasn't raised like that and I never embraced it, but I was invited very kindly. It's just it didn't sit <laughs> with me. Uh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, so I grew up in Mexico City, which is the capital of the country. I was born there and I grew up there until I was like eight, almost nine. And my mom always thought this is a very big, busy and violent city to raise my kids. Not that it's, I mean, one, yes, it is Mexico, but also not that it was an uh, incredibly dangerous place. But it was still a place that you wouldn't let your kids go to the park when they're 10 on their own, unsupervised, you know? So yeah. my mom was like, I want my kid to be able to go out, have friends. And to be fair, I, that's always, I always say about the security, but every time I speak it with her, she's like, it's not even that. It was the pollution. I was running away from the pollution. Oh, right. Because okay. I, don't, I don't mind going to the park with you. I'm like, yes, you couldn't go unsupervised, but I could go just with you. But it was the pollution. And I, I'm glad I remember because huh. she always, every time I talk it to her, she's like, yes, security, but pollution was the real biggie for me. So she wanted to move to a beach town. Actually, the reason why my name is Bruno is because my Bruno in Italian means tan. And my mom always thought I was going to be like this surfer dude. And may, I <laughs> like I, I touched before, I hate sand. So that couldn't have gone anywhere more wrong. <laughs> I absolutely hate sand. And my mom always thought I was going to be like this Kawabunga surfer dude. Nope. I'm oh, a geek. Man. I'm an introvert. I stay inside playing my computer. So, there's a version of you, there's a multiverse version of you who is a surfer dude called Bruno. <laughs> <laughs> and so we moved to Puerto Vallarta, which was at the time a small beach town in Mexico. Right now it's even growing more and more in popularity, especially since Acapulco is declining. But yeah, it was a small town, so that allowed me to actually go outside a lot. I remember I used to go to a school on my own and I was like eight or nine. I actually got run over. That's a story for another day, but I got run over. You got over run once. over. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I never liked the term in English run over because that implies that the car passed above you. I didn't. I hit the car and I rolled over the car, but I got hit by a car. So you ran over the car. Yeah. Uh, so I, that allowed me, living in that beach then allowed me to, it was very small, but it allowed me to actually go out a lot. I, I It's weird because in my memories, I'm always outside with my friends playing but i'm also always inside playing video games so i don't know how that worked i don't know if days were longer and i had more than 24 hours but i specifically yeah, it's a perception remember, of time isn't it yeah i specifically remember riding bikes playing in the fields <laughs> i remember my friends and i used to have this play that uh, this game that we played in the fields and then we basically play war and the bullets were cow dung. You would just grab cow dung off the oh, floor no. and toss it to your other friend. Like, ah, screw you. Toof. Toof. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Some fresh, warm, steamy cow dung. Is no. Like, yeah, man. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess the motivation was really there to dodge the bullet, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, I, that's the thing. I never voluntarily started playing because I don't even want to grab it to toss it to someone else. <laughs> Like, no, no, stop it. Get away from me. No, this is gross. Oh, um, my God. <laughs> we also used to, to climb a lot of, like, guava trees to get the guavas or go to a, a... There was this big place that was, like, a mango field. 
And you just sure. come with like a basket and collect all the mangoes in the floor and go home with your big booty of mangoes. And I don't know, I was really in touch with nature, but at the same time, I remember very clearly being always at home, watching my anime, playing my video games. So I don't know how I managed to do both, but yeah, I have yeah, the memories yeah. of doing both. And it was also a moment in which I don't know how to, to explain it, but I, I met some very good people and through i don't know how they always ended up coming to my house on friday and even until sunday morning two specific friends i remember one went in my school and the other one i met through the guy who went in my school so my mom bought me a bunk bed i was living in my own room but i had a bunk bed just because every friday these two guys will go to my home stay there friday night all saturday and they will go to their home on sunday so that's also a very, wow. and that lasted for years. And I'm, that's really, yeah, that's... I'm literally meaning years. Like that lasted for what, six, seven years. Like they were basically my brothers. Wow. Yeah. Do you, do you I, think that someone was just taking advantage of your mom being so nice? No, actually, I remember that one of the specific, uh, what, the parents of one of the specific kids at the beginning, they even brought cake and everything because they were very thankful. And then by the middle because i'm still really close friends with them but by a little bit of a few moments after they stopped being so happy and they started being more wary about them being friends with me because and i was gonna touch with uh, about this that in about fourth grade that's when i started having problems in school because i had undiagnosed adhd right and okay. i was really bad so basically the moment in which exams weren't everything that's when my grades began to plummet when everything was based just on the exams easy because i could remember everything pass exam with 10 no problem huh. really moment, yeah, that's interesting yeah i, I mean i i don't want to brag but yeah i had a good memory i don't know if i still do but i had really good memory so always test i always aced all my tests but the moment they stopped asking for for like homework to bring in that's when everything went to the toilet because i didn't do homework that's it. I just forgot that I had homework. And it was very difficult because people were like, why don't you want to do good in school? I'm like, I do. Then why don't you do your homework? I don't know. I forget. <laughs> Believe me, it's not, I'm not doing it on purpose. It was really, really complicated. So if you remember that you had homework, you would do it? Not exactly. Like, I think I, I will start and then they will reach a moment in, in, in this like, oh, this is so boring. This is enough. I need to do something else and I will get distracted and then forget I had it. But I generally did forget that I had it. Like, for example, we used to have in Mexico, a lot of kids have actually the schools make you have it. Some notebook in which you write what is your homework to take home. I will forget mm. that notebook at home or I will take it to school and then forget it at school and not bring it home. So I had to call my friends like, sorry, what was the homework for tomorrow? Or if I or go to school and be like, what? We had homework? Really? So, yeah, no, it was I had very, very, very difficult years regarding school um, until I was diagnosed. And even after I was still having problems, but at least I knew why. But yeah, it wasn't yeah, easy. Yeah, fair enough. I'm not going to go into a sub story, but it wasn't easy. And that's why one of these friends, their parents were like, I don't know if that guy is a good influence. But yeah, but I uh, going to touch into old rules versus new rules. My mom was raised in a very clan based family and everything is family, everything is family. Me too, but in a very different way, because different my mom is like, 
because my mom was like family is super important but right. blood in itself doesn't make you family relationships right, I, see. I, see, I see i see is what makes you family so for example because my mom had lots of cousins i have even more cousins i don't even remember their names because they didn't do the work of getting together knowing after my great-grandma and great-grandpa passed away basically the whole clan structure shattered and everyone built their own little families there was no one else that put them all together so my mom yeah. taught me just because they shared your blood and your names doesn't really make them family because you never see them they don't make an effort sure. to see them you don't make an effort to see them honestly it's, it's a two-way street so that doesn't make you guys family your family is me your sister your grandma your niece and your friends that you want to include into your family you can include them into your family so for me family is still a very big thing but blood is not the only requirement for family and sometimes it's not even necessary so that's how i was raised and again because she was uh, that, that's sibling, that's the issue with that's the issue with like a very very strong uh, patriarchal or matriarchal family unit isn't it once they pass away if no one else is willing to step onto that role and a lot of times people aren't then uh, um, it just kind of falls apart exactly and again, because she was a sociologist, anthropologist, I was raised in, way, in a way that said discrimination is awful and social castes are absurd. Like they exist because they are lower income, middle income, high income, but you shouldn't judge anyone based on it. The reason why mm -hmm. I say it, yeah, the reason why I say it is because, again, based on the accounts of my mom, they were the loveliest, loveliest of people and you cannot find a more noble soul but because of the time they were in, they were very much like, they were always reminding my mom, remember where you're coming from, remember who you are. My mom didn't want me to be like that. My mom was like, it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter if you're Spanish, if you're Mexican. It doesn't matter if you come from money or don't come from money. Judge a person by the person, not by their circumstances. So that was a change in rule book there from her to me. She raised me off. A bit this way and I think that's why I'm leaning more towards the left because of my mom influence mm. and I also remember that she was very thorough in take care of nature and not only plants but animals all pretty much all of my cats that I had in my life were rescues right. and actually not pretty much all of them I never bought a cat all of them had been rescued and they all the initiative to rescue them was from my mom my mom was the one who was like Let's take care of animals. Let's take care of animals. So that's something that she Im impaired on me and that I hope to pass uh, to Nim Nim, but something that wasn't uh, that big of a deal on her generation. Like, my, yes, my granddad had roosters, but it wasn't much of let's take care of the environment. It wasn't a thing back then. But for my mom, it was. So that's another difference in books. She she taught me the the that we needed to take care of, of nature. And I guess it goes to show the moments that she moved town just so that I could grow in a city that wasn't as polluted, wasn't it? And the last thing I would say is that I had a lot of extracurriculars. I had martial arts. I did football for a while, even though I don't like it, but I did it because it's the pastime of the world. And in yeah. Mexico, if you don't play football, you pretty much don't play with the Social kids in the outcast. street. Yeah. yeah. So I did uh, some football lessons just not to suck that badly. I did martial arts for a lot of time. I did a lot of summer club activities for the arts and nature. So that's another thing that was 
a difference in books. My mom was very much on my on having a holistic education, not just an academic education. Yeah, that's really good. That's really really good. Yeah, it seems like she had uh, you know her head on her shoulders about yeah. how to uh, what to give you and what sort of opportunities and things you know. Uh, for you to think about and for you to do so yeah, well, she to also, make you a round, rounded person exactly and she also had the thing of let's try to find a positive male role model so this guy is very good in like I had I went to chess club and the teacher was a male so look males can be smart and calm and on the other hand I went to martial arts and look like guys can be brave and strong and noble but still being like nice people so she tried to give me a lot of people to look up to that were males to teach me that not male she never bowed mouthed my dad at all like at all at all that's something that i remember clearly that's why he's not present in my memories that much because he wasn't a subject but still yeah, she was what like, they say if you have if you have nothing nice to say don't say anything at all <laughs> i guess yeah now that you put it that way i guess yeah that 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 actually does ring a bell now that you mention it but <laughs> she did try to basically say i don't i know i'm a girl a female and i don't want to assume that i'm going to be able to teach my son everything he needs to know about being a man so he tr she tried to teach me that uh, by putting me into extracurricular classes so that's another difference right. in in the in her rule book versus my rule book that is you can get your education for a lot of different places and a lot of different people it's not just sure, school sure, the church sure. and family which is how she was uh, raised, school, church, and family. So you can start seeing the, the differences on, on rule books there already. And that's pretty much my, my early formation. I won't go much into the teenage years because that is a whole different subject, but that is my, my early formation. And how about you? What do you remember about your childhood? And by childhood, I mean around like 12, because 13 is when I start considering myself a teenager, you know? Okay, so you're not allowing me to go over that. No, I'm just telling myself. <laughs> you can go whatever you want. You can tell me what you had for lunch yesterday, man. I don't mind. But How I was educated so yesterday. So that you understand my distinction. Oh, no, oh. I know. Just before we finish, because I, I, I found that it was a really good touch, what you did of like the events that mark your, your parents' life. You call them aspirations. I specifically remember when 9-11 happened but not for the same reason that everyone remembers it i remember it right because i was in school <laughs> and someone came running and say someone bombed the united states and all my classmates were running out to, to the principal office to see the news on the tv and i don't know why i was so much of a i don't even know how to call it i i guess i will have to say a little jerk which i hope it isn't true it's just i cannot find the little the proper words for it but my reaction was like, eh, like I really didn't get at all. I guess it's I mean, you were young, weren't you? So yeah, the moment I like... didn't think of the life that were lost at the moment. But I didn't fell into the sensationalism of everything. Everyone was like, what? Dude, the States bombed? What happened? And for me, it was like, eh, like it didn't really make that much difference. It's not until later. Cold-blooded. Yeah, but weirdly enough, in like six months after it happened, all the social implications of what it brought along started hitting me like a brick. And uh, everything about yeah. Bush and the war on terror and blah, blah, blah. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. But I remember very specifically that the moment in which it was announced, I don't know <laughs> if I was in a bad mood or I was hungry or what, but to me it was just like, 
I mean, yes, but we're in biology class, man. How is that relevant? I mean, <laughs> you were you were an edgy teenager and you just wanted to seem cool. I guess, yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, when you started saying that you remember 9-11, but not for the reasons that most people do, I started to get a little bit worried. Uh, but uh, but I know what you mean now. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, no. Thank you for clarifying. No, I'm not, a, I'm not an evildoer. It's not like, ah, ha, 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 yes, finally it happened. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just like I predicted or just like I, I wanted it to. So. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> um, right. Okay. So um, with my education, how I was educated. So the first few years um, I lived in the Azores, uh, pretty much right up until... Uh, before I went to school, so just before I started school. So I lived there about six years. Um, um, and uh, uh, what I remember is, I remember it being very, very chill. Uh, I was living in the biggest island out of the nine, um, but um, it was still a small community and it was everything was still very, very chill. Like it was a good balance between being a place where everyone knows everyone, which they do, but... You also had like a large society and you still had like quite a lot of people on there, etc. And I remember just like walking everywhere, being able to, to, to have everything in a walking distance. I remember everything being very, very chill. I remember, um, you know, every year I used to go and visit my grandparents who lived in another island, a smaller island. And a funny story about that is that actually, if I look back, my granddad, so my grandfather was actually the one who got me into board games and um, which at the moment is actually quite a large part of my life and he started it he started it because he had his own custom made uh, ludo game do you know the ludo game uh yeah i have heard of it i don't think i played it but the name sounds awfully familiar so Ludo is that game where you basically can play up to four players and you have like these four different pawns and they are they start in your house and you have to like roll a six to get them out and then they have to go around the board and you, the first oh! person who gets all of them around the board once is yeah, the person yeah, yeah, yeah. who wins. I love that game. I remember playing it with my mom when I was a yeah. kid a lot. Yeah, I love that game. So my granddaddy had the custom-made board for the game. Uh, I don't know if he made it or someone made it for him, but it was custom-made. And he loved it. He really, really liked it. And I think that... I like to think that if my da if my granddad was alive today or, you know, young today, that he would be very much into board games. And out of all my grandparents, etc., I'm definitely um the most similar with him um so what else do i remember or what else have i been told but this is mostly because my um uh, my sister we have a three-year difference and uh, so i remember quite well when she was uh, born and everything i have a few memories of that uh, which was very nice of us both young in the azores and uh, what i remember is that especially because it was in the azores and it was quite isolated that um there were basically no nappies you know the disposable nappies that you have nowadays uh, they were very 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 expensive because they were something new something that's wasn't really that accessible and they were yeah. super expensive so uh, I remember that um, they started becoming more accessible as the years went by but I remember especially in the beginning uh, that my parents were still using like the 
the the the cloth nappies um for um uh, for my sister and everything uh, and it's a little bit weird because those are kind of like back in style a lot of people do it now because of obviously being eco-conscious um so yeah that's kind of what i remember from my earliest years um and then obviously i moved to uh, mainland portugal uh when i was six and it's kind of stuff that i remember from my education or things that i i remember when i was young uh, i remember that in portugal it was basically the beginning of uh, consoles and console games uh, i know that in the states and i don't know in mexico but i know that in the states and other places uh, there had been a longer history of consoles because you had like the commodore and stuff like that uh, and the nes but in portugal it really only started to pick up when i was young because you had the playstation one and even before that you have the sega, the sega saturn and uh, um, that's when games around when i was young is when they really really started uh picking up wait and i sorry yeah. sorry so you didn't have snes atari <laughs> no no we had atari no no that existed in portugal it's just that i from what i remember and from speaking with my parents just basically no one had them it was basically like uh whereas with my in my generation every kid seemed to have some sort of console right mm -hmm. so everyone had a playstation one or a sega saturn or a dreamcast or even just a game boy uh, like every kid pretty much had uh, had a console but in my parents generation and, and before that when it comes to the snes the nes etc barely any any kids had them you know um it was like maybe maybe you knew of a kid of a that knew another kid that knew another kid that had consoles but they weren't widespread at all it started oh, okay. being widespread when I was young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's another another difference of new book versus old book. Because obviously, in my, for example, my mom and your parents' era, there were no consoles, but there wasn't even color TV. So they weren't that. Yeah. And this yeah, brings yeah. it back to what you were saying about how it's going to be different from now on with all the internet and everything. Because our parents barely have black and white TV. And I remember when I was a kid, I was the only kid I knew who had a TV in their own room. Everyone else had like a shared family TV. Uh, and now it's now you see every kid with a tablet. So that's going to be another thing that, that differentiates a version of rulebooks, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I, what I remember is because my, my grandfather was a teacher and uh, my mom is a teacher as well. And uh, there's a lot of people in my family who are teachers. There's, there's, there was always a big focus on education. Um, my education was still somewhat rigorous, not, not like overly, nothing like my parents were educated themselves. Uh, but there was still some, some uh, rigorous parts of it. Um, it was uh, a lot... Uh, more liberal and easygoing than their own education so they were a lot more um, like allowing me to do things try things and uh, I remember like even their own views on other sexualities and other people of other color etc it was a lot more accepting and a lot more liberal than they probably themselves were educated um, uh, I'm not gonna lie there's still some physicality to it nothing like they probably had but there's still like a little bit of you behaving not not at least so uh, you're going to um, get uh, uh, some pats on the bum etc on the back so there's still a bit of that um, and uh, um, 
what was it i was encouraged to explore new stuff for myself so just kind of like looking at what i wanted to do uh trying new hobbies trying new interests and just kind of figuring things out for myself in a little bit um and uh, yeah that's how i discovered uh like there was a phase where i was very much into comic books uh from disney i don't know if you had them but they were very big in portugal for a time with like disney with like mickey mouse and donald duck etc um, um that uh there were a lot of books on, on 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 those topics and i just read them i remember reading those books just like so 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 much to the point where a lot of these books were actually Portuguese from Brazil, not Portuguese from Portugal, and I actually started to be to speak in 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 a way that was Portuguese. more that was more like from Brazilian, so from from Portuguese from Brazil, and I had even a, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine uh, from school, and he was like, "Why are you saying things like that? We don't speak like that here. Why? Why?" And he couldn't <laughs> understand why I was speaking in that way. It's as if imagine if a a UK kid grew up reading and doing a, and just exclusively uh, almost exclusively uh, listening to things from american english so they started act, uh, speaking in an american english accent in a way so that that's kind of how it was for a while because of the comic books in portuguese uh, from brazil Okay. Um, I remember, I remember my parents having a lot of uh, financial struggles through the years. I kind of touched on that a little bit before. That when they were growing up, it it felt like very optimistic and that they were going to get a lot of stuff uh, in their way. But um, actually, I always remember them struggling a little bit uh, with. Um, you know, we we were three. It was me and two siblings, and there were phases where it was uh, 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 more difficult. And I remember not just being like that for me, but even for other kids in school. I never remember having a lot of kids that were rich uh, or anything like that. Um, it it was always like I always felt like everyone was financially struggling. But maybe that's just Portugal for you, you know. So, so yeah, I mean, what else do I remember? I remember that my parents spent some family nights playing games. Sometimes it was board games. Sometimes it was playing with me on the console. Um, but I remember having those good memories of playing games all together as a family. Uh, sometimes renting uh, films to watch on VHS, uh, which now is a relic of the past. Um, I remember as well that around this time we started having some really really good telly uh, you know that in the past it was all about films and then um, I think that when we were teenagers around our time uh, you started having a really good telly like a Lost X-Files um, Friends, The Office, Breaking Bad that's all things that were kind of during our formative years um, and they, they were like the beginnings of like really good TV series um, oh, did, did, you, did you follow these as well? or I remember watching TV since before even moving to Puerto Vallarta. So since I was like seven, I remember specifically, because again, I always had TV in my room. <laughs> uh, I remember I had I, my, they were, when we live in Mexico City, they make the living room my room and they didn't bother taking the TV out. So I was just having the TV in my room. And I remember <laughs> the day Cartoon Network became a thing. And they announced yeah. 24 hours cartoons. And for me, that was incredible because I don't sleep too much. I don't know if it's because of my hyperactivity or what, but I always had a very weird sleeping pattern. And there was a moment in which 
TV used to cut off and they just have this, the test signal, like blue, white, pink, cyan, yeah, yeah, white, yeah, yeah. and a bottom black bar and the beep noise. Yeah. Well, Cartoon Network didn't have that. It was 24 hours. And I was like, what? 24 hours of cartoons? And I remember watching Cartoon Network <laughs> and they're turning around and it was light again. And I'm like, I didn't sleep. I, I remember like, oh no, wow. my mom is going to be so mad at me that I didn't sleep. So I just... <laughs> and was she? Yeah, I turned the TV off and I went to sleep at around like seven, half past seven. And then around like nine, my mom was like, hey, good day, turn to start the day. I'm like, yay, turn to start the day. Nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> and then you just existed as a zombie for that day. And you I were young. Were you, I, yeah, don't... I don't Exactly. I don't even think it made that much of a, a difference. Cause it I, was I a guess weekend. you weren't drinking coffee at that stage. No, no. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't a weekend or something, so I was just a, allowed to be like a lazy eight-year-old kid, I think. I don't even remember that, the day. I just remember that, that I didn't sleep because it was Cartoon Network. But no, I was watching TV since I was a kid. I remember watching anime on Saturday morning cartoons, and then I remember after it moved right. from Saturday morning, I remember specifically coming back from school and watching uh, Saint Seiya and Ranma and a Half. And then Dragon Ball started a few years later. So now I've been watching TV since a young one. Um, but yeah, no, I think that that was the beginning of like really good telly as well. And it's exactly our kids aren't going to have that, isn't it? Because in our time, there were still channels that stopped at different times. And now every channel is always on with some bullcrap sometimes. Who even um, watches cable anymore? Now everything is streaming, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. That's true. That that's going to be our kids' generation. Everything's going to be on demand and on streaming. So yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, I remember that um, for university and higher education was something a lot more common. Um, so everyone just kind of went to uni on my age. Uh, but it also meant that the job market was a lot more competitive because if everyone's got a higher education, then like you don't really have much to distinguish yourself. And I, I still think there's a lot of value in everyone having it. Uh, that's something we can discuss on. Another another episode but um uh, but it did mean that there was a lot of competitiveness in the job market um and uh, lastly just a couple other things i remember a lot of eco consciousness so i think that during our time was really when um we started having a lot of focus on recycling and uh, sustainable uh, uh, energy sources etc um as well as affordable tourism i remember that when I was very, very young and when my parents talked about uh, do, being tourists, it was always like you saved for like five years and then you went to a place for two weeks. Um, mm -hmm. And I feel like during our generation, it's really became a lot more affordable, especially here in Europe with like EasyJet and uh, budget airlines, etc. So I remember being a having a lot more opportunities to travel, especially as I came into being a young adult. Um, and lastly, in terms of what defined our life aspirations and what defined our generation in a way, um, I remember the things that really shook me and the things that really impacted uh, my young life was the September 11 attacks and the terrorism and all the changes around that, having the euro as a currency. Uh, so that started, I think, in 2002, maybe. And uh, I remember that um, before that, Portugal had the escudo um, or shield um, in a literal translation and uh, it was 
very different. I don't remember much from it, but I remember it was different. And then having the euro as a currency, um, having you know the the rise of technology and the internet, as we discussed previously, the 2008 uh, economic crisis, which actually really impacted the world, and you know it was quite a, a deep economic crisis that lasted for a few years, and in a way still lasting now we still feel the impact of it now and lastly i think brexit i think i could say like covid but i think covid is going to be something more for a younger generation to be defined by it whereas for us it's like maybe covid but like at a later stage i, I would say that anything up until we're young adults is what defines us mm -hmm, mm -hmm. no definitely i was it's funny that you mentioned it because i was talking to someone the other day and we had so much. We had the 2008 crisis, we had 9-11, now we have COVID. And a friend of mine was like, can I stop living through historically marking success? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, precisely, precisely. Cool. Uh, wow, that was that was longer than I thought it was going to be. So, uh, but, you know, uh, let us know if you liked the fact that it was long or not, if you prefer having more time, if you think that it's okay on this one as an exception, but usually you'd prefer if they're around the one hour mark. So please give us your feedback um, and we're uh, happy to hear it. You know, maybe we could expand on some of these topics and make it two episodes next time, or maybe this is actually a good length and you actually like to listen to us for a bit longer. So yeah, just, just let us know. Yeah, yeah, please do. And also it's important just because i i do want to to acknowledge the fact that we are actually following a theme the reason why we're touching about on our parents and our self-education and the difference that may have been uh, for example in terms of values in terms of technology is because now we're going to lead into okay how are we going to raise our kids so yeah it's it's basically you the setting up of that episode yeah, that's right. So yeah, no, the like Pedro was saying, please do let us know if you like the format, if you would like to, uh, a shorter format, if you don't care because you don't even listen to it in one sitting. All all feedback is good feedback, uh, except first lol that that one. Please keep it to yourself. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> some early internet history for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, also, all of you just lost the game. Uh, oh my god why do you because I, I lost no. it and every time you lose it you have to say you lost it so yeah when you <sighs> said internet horrible, horrible when you said internet history you triggered it we're going to get fault. some hate mail yeah we're, we're going to get some hate mail yeah I'm just yeah telling you. yeah we are <laughs> uh, anyways where was i oh yeah uh, saying our goodbyes and uh, please send the feedback uh, as always my shameless self plug i have a, a very inactive twitch as of the moment mariachi viking i will go back to it as soon as a life permits it it's me doing one of my my hobbies that i like most which is playing some video games every feedback that you want to send us please do so to contact at foreignersandfathers.com we are going to be in every social media that we can we're still a little bit behind that but again we it has been a little bit busy to launch everything Right now, I think till this date, we just have a Facebook, but that may have changed. Maybe we have Twitter now. Bottom line, just search for Anderson Fathers. And if we're there, uh, I mean, if the name is there, that's probably going to be us. And next uh, episode, like I said, it's about how are we going to raise uh, our kids. And yeah, that's for my part. That has been all. So thank you for, for taking time out of your evening to spend it with me, man. 
Yeah, no worries. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, as always, a pleasure to talk to you. Oh, and before I forget, because it's very important, and I, I'm sorry, just I'm not used to this, but if you are <laughs> listening to us, please do rate, comment, subscribe, share. It really does help a lot. You have no idea. I, I'm so thrilled to find out that we have listeners from so many different parts of the world that we don't even have friends there. That I don't know how is it that we're getting listened there in the States, in Belgium, in the Middle East. I don't remember the exact country. I'm, that's going to make me look so bad. But yeah, please do share, rate, comment, all that good stuff because it really does help us out a lot. So, uh, well, just going on back what you said, don't worry. It's always my pleasure to, to share this time with you, man. I really, really like it. I think we're... We're doing something really fun and really good. So I'll say goodbye for now. Yeah. Um, bye, Bruno. Uh, bye, everyone listening. Uh, don't uh, miss us on next episode uh, where we're going to talk about how we plan to educate our children. So keep listening for that. And yeah, uh, Bruno, uh, all the best to you. See all you next time. All the best to you. See you next bye. time. Bye. Bye. Bye.